What's your story? I'm a rapper. I'm waiting on my big break. Mommy, wow! I'm a big kid now. Hey, hey, and welcome. Welcome to our 50th episode of the Death Cakes Podcast. Yes, 50th episode. And actually, we should we should specify, man, 50th proper episode. Yeah. Because if you look at all the content we have up there, we're almost double that. But as yeah. far as the actual numbered proper Death Cakes Podcast episodes, number 50. And we should have been here a long time ago. But as we always say, life gets in the way. Life gets in the way, fucking uh, bad elections get in the way, <laughs> killed our will to podcast for a while, tech problems after that just <laughs> got in the way. Yeah, uh, it, it's just been kind of a uh, storm of shit, and, uh, but we are back, we are back with a doozy, um, and we are back with a guest. Yes. So, um... For our 50th episode, we decided to talk uh, the Purple One himself. We are talking Prince. And we thought... I thought you were saying I was the Purple One. Well, (laughs) you could be. You could be. (laughs) More of a lavender kind of thing. Yeah, and you hear his voice. He's got his own show. You've heard him on Keepers of the Funk before. And we all guested on his show, Bodega Box Office. We have Ryan in the house today. Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, bringing me on this very, very weird journey. Yes, yes. And we brought you here for a specific purpose. We brought you because you actually grew up in Minneapolis, which is, you know, Paisley Park itself. Yes, I have ba- I have purified myself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka many times. <laughs> I'm going to ask you that. <laughs> so, so many times, so many times. It was funny. You know what's funny? When Jay Mills made his official debut on Keepers of the Funk, because, uh, as you know, we started the show kind of while he was indisposed and he joined up with us later I asked him that same question he's like well no uh, you don't want to do that because there's muskies in there and blah <laughs> Jared's never seen a muskie he doesn't know even know what a muskie is it's just like an urban legend to him it's like the chupacabra That's the, <laughs> he doesn't know what a muskie is <laughs> yeah no I've I've, uh, I've been boating on Lake Minnetonka about a billion times and uh and it's like it's kind of like now if you go golfing ever and someone makes a Caddyshack joke, you're just like shut up because sometime every time you're near Lake Minnetonka, someone's going to be like, you know, purify yourself. And it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's cl- classic Minnesota humor for you. But anyway, I'm I'm really happy to be here, guys. This is this is awesome. Yeah, I do have one question though. Going back to that time that uh, we crossed over, Keepers of the Funk with Bodega Box Office, man. Um, we kind of. 
Well, we, we talked about the Colonel, as like I just uh, mentioned there, what up, yep. J. Mills. Um, but one thing that never got resolved was he mentioned that they called you Potato. We we, we never oh. went back. <laughs> we never went back and got got the uh, the backstory on that. So what? Uh, All right. Well, what... unlike your sometime co-host, uh, I didn't get to choose my own nickname. Uh, we can't all be <laughs> the colonel. Um, so this is like, uh, the reason I'm, I know you guys is through, through Jared, AKA J Mills, who is on, uh, keep it at the funk. So we, we went to like, not high school together, but like, uh, junior high together. And, um, I was, uh, sitting at lunch and you know how, when you lean forward, sometimes your pants will stick out and you get like a little, uh, pants, I don't know pocket it's not really all butt crack but it's just kind of a little pocket um i was leaning forward at lunch and someone decided to fill that little pocket in my pants uh with like tater tots but they weren't really tater tots they're these nasty fried mashed potato things that look like footballs in our public school system (laughs) oh my god fucking horrible 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 uh food and the weird thing was i didn't notice that someone had done this put about six or seven of these motherfuckers in my pants until about 45 minutes later in science class. And so I'm tucking my shirt in. or I, My hands are in my pants for some reason. I honestly don't remember why I have my hands in my pants. But I found something warm and wet in my pants. <laughs> and uh... I was a spazzy little kid. I've, I've since become about 10% less spazzy as an adult. But I was a little, a little wild. So like I instantly started freaking the fuck out. Uh, in class and throwing uh, mashed potatoes all over the room and making a scene. And uh, my friend Will, shouts to Willis, Willis Jackson, he uh, was sitting next to me and he was laughing so hard he couldn't get a single word out other than the word potato. Wow. And that became uh, my nickname. People's parents didn't know my real name. Um, I just went to a buddy's wedding, actually, and like I've was talking to his dad and I knew his dad really well and he's like so what's your name and I'm like Ryan and he goes how do you know John I'm like it's potato and I'm potato and he's like oh my god potato oh my god. <laughs> so yeah that's been my cross to bear <laughs> uh you're right we never did address that on the episode where we watched disorderlies uh, but that's the story I'm glad you got I'm glad we got to tell that in a much more controlled setting yeah that was kind of kind of chaotic it was a that was time, wild but- that episode was that episode was wild. Yeah, that that was a uh, that I think what didn't make it to air was almost better than the episode. I mean, the episode was good. Right. Yeah, but, I think you're right. But everything leading up to it was just amazing, and I just chalked it up to <laughs> lack of sleep. Yeah, it was just the comedy of errors of trying to get uh, Jared into the mix and get him to download. I think he downloaded like he didn't download Skype. He downloaded like Psych. Or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> he had some bootleg app, and oh uh, yeah, that was a nightmare. But uh, yeah, <laughs> hopefully this won't yeah. be as ridiculous. So let's bring it back then. I mean, Jay. Um, uh, I guess we start with the question: What's your earliest memory of Prince, man? Um, well, as we talked about back on our Batman episode, um, I come. My siblings, you, your mom, and then uh, our brother, were both Prince fans. So yeah. I sort of was indoctrinated from them. Um, you know, I, I can remember 
going into my brother's room and and closing his door and he had the big purple rain poster you know on the back of his door yeah the big corkboard um his that entire wall was corkboard and he had all kind of shit up there and he had the big the big prince poster i remember that yeah yeah and that's just sort of you know that, that's the first memory of prince that i have and then of course you know uh like we said on our magisode last episode you know prince was was the big thing on the radio on magic 108 prince and all of his proteges so you always heard pretty much all of the purple rain soundtrack because almost all of it was singles right so you'd hear all of that all the time um yeah and it's just a family tradition i guess you could say (laughs) yeah see my my earliest memory though um I guess, uh, I guess it was the song, the, the single, uh, Kiss. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, but that was, I mean, God, when did that come out? Was it 84? Uh, Maybe earlier than that? That'd be I like mean, 85 or something, right? When the, the Under the Cherry Moon came out, I think. Okay, 85, alright. So, that was pretty young. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I caught something from him before that, but I just knew that song, and like, because that song was getting a lot of burn on, uh, 108. And uh, 86, 86. Okay, so that song's getting a lot of play on 108, and then uh, my mom, of course, being the fan that she was, always turned it up and blasted it in the car and everything like that. So that's the song that I remember. And then I just remember, I remember Purple Rain being a. I know I hadn't seen it back then, but I knew it existed. I knew that was a thing. I knew it was related to Prince, and that's really the extent of it until I got older. So, um. You know, and of course, he just continues to release music. So, but that's my earliest memory of the name and the person. You know. Yeah, and I mean, just um, before we we get to you, Ryan, because I got questions for you for living in in uh, Minneapolis. But um, uh, one of the things that I have to say, you know, because we're recording this about a week off of the anniversary of his death and while um, celebrity deaths really don't get to me ever um, really the only one that really got to me was Fife which was also last year in the yeah yeah, in the year of death and and, uh, the rapture but uh, (laughs) Prince kind of got to me too um and while I normally wouldn't a- ask this because I-, I think it's kind of a, a dumb question, but <clears throat> where were you when you heard he died? Me? I, I was know. at... E- either one of you. Either one of well, you, yeah. I-, I was at work and like somebody told me, my job is like, uh, they're always playing music and they really really purport to be music people so it was like big news rippling through the office that no one wanted to believe but the next day i had to go to new orleans for a work conference and i got to go to a second line funeral uh parade for prince in new orleans which is like the fucking coolest like i guess way to say goodbye i mean you know but like no one was sad it was just uh, <clears throat> a raging party in the street you know with about like four or five different sound trucks blasting 
prints and kind of competing with each other and then people oh, paraded wow. and danced and sang his songs and shit and like just crushing beers on the street and and it was like the it was by far the best way that i could think of to like say goodbye and i was nowhere near minneapolis i wasn't in new york i was just in a street in new orleans with a bunch of random people it was really really cool i got some video of it too i can send you guys it was, it was awesome oh wow yeah i'd, I'd like to see that uh, yeah and it was random timing you know yeah what about you illy uh well as for myself i was actually off work that day and i was texting you you text me you gave me the news you said because what was like a couple days before that or the day before that where they said he wasn't doing well or he's in the hospital or had gotten out of the hospital and yeah he had a had had a flight diverted because he had pneumonia or something but then he performed a show like like the day before he died and he was like don't pray for me or something he said something like save your prayers i'm gonna be fine like and and then that was it <laughs> the next day yeah so then the next day like Jay te- sends me this text god damn it R.I.P. Prince and like what and, you know and I was si- we've had this conversation in the past I was not a big Prince fan I mean I appreciate what he does I have so much respect for um, the artistry and there are songs of his that I do like but I you know where, 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 where Jay was talking about family tradition see that ended with that ended with me and my siblings. So, we, just thought, we just saw him as this weird dude that our mom liked, and we just go in the other room and listen to our own shit, you know. Um, so I wasn't so much affected by that. I mean, you know, I. I but so when I heard that he died, you know, first I text my mom. I said, uh, "I'm assuming you heard the news." That's all I said, and she said, "Yes, I'm crying." And so oh. I said, "You know, I'm sorry," you know, and just, uh so again I was, off, I was off of work I was home that whole afternoon and so I get in the car to go somewhere and I, I, I swear I kind of got choked up a little bit because I turned the radio on and they're playing uh, until the end of time and it's like which is like the saddest thing you could for for, for, for someone who just died yeah that's you know? a brutal like, song for wow. that wow yeah. so I turned that off I'm like damn that, that was bad timing <laughs> no I, I know what you mean about that Illy. like I, I Prince was not like the weird thing was that when you you know grew up in Minneapolis, you either were indoctrinated with Prince and were just a super fan, or he was so ubiquitous that you kind of like ignored him because you're just like, wow, everybody likes Prince and I want to do something different. And I was kind of yeah. that person. And like, no one in my house is really into him, but obviously you hear about everything he does. Like, I think I think Minnesotans were the first people to hear about everything he does, and so like. You get a little bit of fatigue, too, because he was doing some shit there, you know, at the end of his Warner deal, and that was, like, pretty annoying. Like, like releasing, like, you know, insanely long records that, like, didn't have a point, and, like, you know, like, it was kind of like he was becoming a, a recluse, and um, it wasn't like, oh, God, we love this guy. It was, like, it was like kind of like our child that we all kind of dealt with sometimes. Yeah, um, you know. Weird. I but I wasn't a few really years all that ago. bought in on Prince, so yeah, yeah it took me a while. Yeah, a few years ago, I think when he was talking about, he pulled all his music off of iTunes or whatever, and said the internet is dead, so he's only going to release yep. his stuff in a British newspaper. Like yep. what the fuck? Yep. But you accepted it because like, eh, well, I mean, it's Prince. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. It was kind of like, ah, eh, all right. And then like, but then the product sometimes wasn't always worth all the buildup too, because he put out some stuff that clearly he was just the master of all of his ideas he put out whatever the fuck he wanted 
and like there's no editing um which was kind of not always the greatest but you know looking back i think we're gonna realize that like most of the shit was pretty interesting but it challenges listeners in ways that they weren't ready to be challenged i think um with stuff like the you know crystal ball being you know three cds and that kind of Mm -hmm. shit and yeah so i don't know it was kind of weird for growing up in, in minneapolis but i will say the re- that like when I turned a corner on Prince was I was probably like 16 and I was at this metal record store with Jared, J-Mo, and his mom, rest her soul. And, oh yeah, uh, she was uh huh. She was the real one, dude. She was yes. the fucking coolest. And so we're like looking at all this metal, and I was like into funk at the time. I was into like Parliament and George Clinton and and, uh, and Bootsy Collins and stuff, but I wasn't really checking for Prince because. I was a kid in Minneapolis and Prince was just a guy on the radio that I read about, you know, from time to time. And uh, she grabbed his self-titled album and made the record store guy put it on. And we're looking at like dying fetus and fucking unleashed and stuff. (laughs) And that record comes out. I looked at her and I was like, Prince is funky. (laughs) And she's like, she looked at me like, you are the biggest idiot. (laughs) She gave me this hard look. She's like, yes. Prince is funky. <laughs> and, oh, and, yeah. And at that moment, I was like, all right, I, I like Prince now. I like Prince. He's not just a pop star on the radio. He's like a, he's a, he's a funk, funk dude. So that's kind of when it turned around for me. Oh, absolutely, man. And, you know, it's he's one of those guys where, um, uh, I mean, it's pop radio stuff. Some of it, I mean, obviously, it's really good. Some of it just kind of annoys the fuck out of me. Um, he's one of those artists, though, where you, you really have to dig and really kind of get into like his deep cuts because you really don't. I mean, you you can hear you can you can hear the hits, but that's really not Prince. That's just yeah. That's really even scratching the surface of who who, who Prince is, you know. Um, and with that being said, um, <laughs> I want to turn attention to this one album, uh, and I want to shout out actually one of my favorite podcasts, Dead Pixel Live. I've been listening to like what like eight years now. Uh, a frequent. Damn, uh, that's, huge. that's a huge yeah. endorsement. Eight years yeah. of listening. Yeah, yeah. Shout out Derek H. Everybody ever been involved in it. Um, but there's a frequent caller into that show named uh, Billy O'Keefe, and he was talking like right around the time when Prince died. He because <laughs> the new plugs at the end, and he said he wanted to plug this album called Chaos and Disorder. I'm like, oh my god, no, he's not, because <laughs> that record right there, my mom had it too. First day I was with her. I forget where we were going, but I was the only one in the car with her. She had to go stop at Streetside Records to go pick this shit up. And this is the album. This is like his last album he did for Warner Brothers. He was just throwing just random shit out there just to fulfill his... uh, Just contractual obligations. Exactly. This album is bad. It's bad. You know, and and he was talking about exactly that. And I said, man, well, is I'm it bad in a bad was, way, or like, or is it because sometimes Prince commits to bad ideas so thoroughly that they become amazing? So I, well, I'm curious about that. No, because actually, in the liner notes he even said so. He knew it was crap. He just threw it out there oh. because he knew. I mean, look, I'm just trying to get off this fucking label, and yep. you know, if you buy it, great. If you don't, great. <laughs> Something to that, <laughs> that effect, you know. But this album is garbage. And one of my moms listening to the whole fucking thing. It's just, oh, it's terrible. But I just thought it was funny that this guy. Because I hadn't thought about it in years, and this guy goes and plugs that as his <laughs> Oh man, I thought I was the only one who thought of it like that. That's, that's like <laughs> I want to shout out this hot new director. Uh, he's a re- really hot filmmaker. His name is Prince. 
It's like the new Scorsese. He's got to be. <laughs> oh dear. Oh man. Well, you know, we're we're there. Let's just get into it, Ryan. What was it like in Minneapolis growing up with you know Prince? Did I know he he had Paisley Park, but was he always there? Did he have a place in L.A.? Uh, well, I think as when I was around, you know, I guess I was I was born in '82, so like my life sort of coincides with some of his most of his career. Mm-hmm. But like I think he started to when I was you know becoming aware, uh, uh, you know, ten or eleven years old, he was becoming a little bit more stay at Paisley Park guy, um, okay. and. And, like, we'd always drive by and be like, yeah, this, hey, Prince, like, you know, on the way to the cabin or whatever. And um, I don't think he really was. I've never thought of him as anything else as, besides Chanhassen, in Minnesota. That's what I think of every single time. <clears throat> so, like, did the... Um, you you said that the, at Minneapolis kind of treated him like the uh, the little kid that nobody wanted to pay, pay attention to. So, like, on the local news, was there Prince Watch? You know, Prince was at the, the grocery store today, or, you know, was, was there that kind of stuff? Or was it well, just like, oh, Prince did a thing? Yeah, it's like if Prince did a thing, he, like, you know, and I don't want to make it sound like we didn't, nobody liked him there. I'm just saying that, like, we were the first to hear about it. Right. Um, so there was, like, a little bit of a ubiquity uh, problem, for me, at least. Um, and so, like, you'd hear all about everything he's doing right away um, but then you'd also like I, I never did it but a lot of my friends like I was going to raves and shit in high school and um, when I should have been with a different group of people going to Paisley Park every weekend because like there was like kids in my high school whose thing it was to just go to Paisley Park all the time like really every single weekend and and looking back now that I'm more of a Prince fan as an adult like my Prince fandom didn't really kick into high gear until you know, recently, and if I had that, if I had a brain in my head, I would have been at Paisley Park more often, you know, because he would just do the wildest shit, like he would come out and play for like four fucking hours, and then he'd, what, pull out a Bible and a and a, and a couple of chairs and sit down and have a Bible study with you, like, just I wrote the... that same story from like so many different people. Yeah, and that's not a, like, just a, a urban legend, he just did no, shit yeah. like that, you know? yeah, yeah. But I was never part of it. I was I was always like again, it was like, Oh man, Prince, you know, he's just a thing that everybody has to deal with and I'm just gonna do something else. Which is a mistake. I was wrong. So when this movie that we're about to talk about came out, was there like a big to do do you, do you remember? Was that uh, a do, big to do or I remember nothing about this movie. Really? Absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. I remember like okay, Purple Rain is amazing. But I only right. saw Purple Rain recently, which is a shocking admission. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I had never seen it at all. And uh, obviously that <laughs> that movie is very much a Minneapolis movie. It's like shot at First Avenue. It takes place in and around First Avenue. It's like shot in the street. But this movie was just at Paisley Park. Like it wasn't shot anywhere in Minneapolis. There's like two or three exterior shots. And that's it, right? Like there wasn't anything else that was very yeah. Minneapolis about it. Um, so that's the kind of the strange thing about this one is that I think he was a little bit of in seclusion when he when he made it. He's like, I don't want to leave. I'm not going anywhere. Um, 
So let's make it in my fucking basement. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad that to, to hear you say that. Well, you know, and well, because I mean, even you being there in Minneapolis, because this is the album, that, this is the movie that nobody talks about, and for good reason. I mean, this is a this is a sequel to Purple Rain that nobody asked for. Yeah. I mean, I can see like I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna act like Prince fans when they heard about it weren't intrigued by it, but no one was sitting around saying. Hey, you know what Purple Rain needs? A sequel. Yeah. Like, whatever you happened know? to Apollonia and the kid, you know? Like, what? Come on. And, and this was 1990. I was like, uh, either, whenever it dropped, it was either, uh, I was either just coming out of third grade or in fourth grade. And some of the music was on the uh, radio, but I heard nobody say anything about the movie, which is telling. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely Warner Brothers. Like Prince had this big idea, obviously, because um, I think all of Prince's ideas are big. And uh, it was obviously Warner Brothers. Like, all right, Prince wants to do this movie. The script is insane. If we can somehow bill it as a sequel to Purple Rain, because Purple Rain was successful, we can get this thing made. So, like, they sort of like marketed it that way, but I don't think Prince conceived of it that way. No, he he didn't, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll touch on it more when we get there. But uh, this was actually supposed to be the Times movie, but then something happened in I don't know if it's production or if it was Prince, but somehow it got flip flopped, and it ended up becoming a movie about the kid again. But it was supposed to be all about Morris Day and the Time. That was probably because everything he was showing to the production, to uh, Warner Brothers, was like, you know, random and ridiculous. And uh, they're like, let's let's rein this in, bud, and try and turn this into something people want to see. Let's make it about the kid. Yeah. Well, the only the only proof I needed was that my mom didn't even go see it, and I just told you what kind of fan of Prince she was. So that's all. That that was very damning. Yeah. That's yeah. Brutal. So well. But before we get into this, um, Illy, do you have any, anything else you want, want to pick Ryan's brain about about Minneapolis and Prince? Uh, no, nah, I think we pretty much covered the base. I just, I just want to say one more thing. Um, you know, again, before we start getting into the meat of this movie, is that um, a couple Saturdays ago, first thing in the morning, I turned it on, and uh, a few minutes in, I'm like, oh, what did we get ourselves into? And uh, I'm probably about 20 minutes into it. My wife wakes up and she comes in and is like sitting on the couch. She's like, looks at what I'm watching. She's like, really? <laughs> I said, I'm watching it for the show. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so she sits down for a second and she's like, I don't remember this part. And I said, nobody remembers this. No, nobody's seen this movie, one, if at all. <laughs> By like, this part, do said, you mean the whole movie? <laughs> 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 like, like the whole movie. There are no parts. You know, or she's like, "What Purple Rain?" I said, "No, this is Graffiti Bridge's sequel." I was like, "Oh, I didn't know there was a sequel." I was like, "Yeah, There's no fucking." No <laughs> 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 oh shit! Exactly. I mean, nobody asked for, nobody remembers, and we're gonna find out why here in a minute. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, take a break, and we will come right back, folks. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah, man, making out in your old man's car. My dad had a Volkswagen. I couldn't do much of anything in the backseat of that thing. The first time I did it, I was in a little red Corvette. 
with Sheena Easton and Vanity? Or was that Morris? Fuck <laughs> out, man. The craziest thing I ever did was break up with my high school sweetheart. <laughs> man, when it comes to women, we're always doing something crazy. I know what you mean. One time I poured chocolate all over Sheila. And... <laughs> or was that Morris? <laughs> Butt out, man. And you really want to turn a girl on? Put on some Luther Van Draw. Oh, man, that works with some girls. But the guy who really gets them going is Rick James. You're both wrong. Whenever I want a woman to get wild, all I have to do is... They're everything they're cracked up to be. Told you, kids, you should have let me rap. All right, and um, yeah, if you haven't figured it out yet, we've already said a couple times, we are talking Graffiti Bridge, uh, 1990s quote-unquote sequel? Everybody wants to find Graffiti Bridge. (laughs) (laughs) To uh, Purple Rain. (laughs) (laughs) This movie... If if I did not know it was a sequel, this this I mean the way it is shot, the way because I will put it this way, I first saw part of this movie. It was probably nineteen ninety five ninety six, and I remember the channel vividly. I turned it on. I was flipping through channels, and I saw. Um, you know, coming up next, Graffiti Bridge. So, you know, it, it was on WGN, the Chicago station. Holy oh, shit. It they was carried on, it? Yeah, it, it was on like a Saturday afternoon. So, you know, I turned it on, started watching. They got to kill the time between Cubs games. Yeah. <laughs> Bozo the Clown and Cubs games, yeah. So, <laughs> watching this, and the first thing I said was, this is a set. This isn't yeah. like Purple Rain. This is just this this movie is if somebody decided to do like a off 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 way off Broadway version of Purple Rain on a on a really bad sound stage and throw religion in there somehow and with slightly worse songs. Yeah. Like yeah. slightly well, okay, let's say a lot worse because Purple Rain is amazing. It's just like just not Purple Rain. Yeah, no, there's a lot of Purple Rain-like songs, and we'll get there, but it it was, I'm watching, I was like, this is just a set, and I think I lasted maybe 15 minutes, and I turned it off, I was done. I I never saw it until right now. The set threw me, yeah, for sure, that was ridiculous, it looks like a fucking Hammer horror film, like, Like they're like they they right after they got done shooting Graffiti Bridge, they shot like a shitty Jack the Ripper movie or something like the streets of London. They just pulled down all the neon and and then threw in some rain and now they can use it for anything they want. It was insane, but it kind of makes it interesting in a way. Um, Ilya, I'm sure you had something uh, you were going to say before I interrupted you. Well, not really. You can go ahead. I was just going to say I've got my own theories about what this was trying to do, and uh, we'll get as we go along. I'll, I'll I'll get there. 
Yeah. I suppose that's all we can do is theorize because you can't really get inside Prince's head well, ever. <laughs> I will say this. This is from... Because I had to read the Wikipedia after I watched this movie because I didn't understand what the fuck just happened. Um, according to Wikipedia, Graffiti Bridge is a sequel to um, Purple Rain, which we already said. Um... And according to the movie, trying to get it pulled up here again. Uh, well, according... why are you doing that? Oh, God, God, no, no. You're, you're there. Go. Well, um, because again, we're, we're, we keep referencing Purple Rain, obviously, but the one thing I never did understand about Purple Rain, and I guess this movie by association, is that everybody's playing themselves, or at least some version of themselves out there, except. Except for Prince, who is the kid. Why was there ever any reason for that? <laughs> oh, yeah, Prince didn't want you to get it twisted. He's like, I'm no peasant. I don't live in a hole underneath the stage. I'm <laughs> he... Prince, so I'm gonna give myself a different name. <laughs> but Prince is a better name. It is a way better name. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's just it is weird thinking of Prince trying to be anyone else. It doesn't really make any exactly. sense because like in Moonwalker, where Michael, he's just Michael, you know. So why? I mean, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I've, I actually, it's pretty shocking that, like, Prince would do, like, I would watch Prince, I don't know, make a sandwich. Just be like, God, that's Prince making a sandwich. It's really weird. Like, it doesn't seem natural. So it seems even more bizarre that he's playing uh, a, a different character other than Prince. Other but than Prince, who is exactly Prince. So yeah, I just rest never assured he's very change. Princey in the movie. He's, he is Prince in it. Yeah, there's no point. You're right. Yeah. So this is what Wikipedia. Well, there's two. There are two uh, sort of synopsis for this movie. I'm going to read the one that uh, Morris Day was quoted as saying. Uh, Graffiti Bridge is a sequel to Purple Rain. Is what it ended up being, uh, and the role that the time plays well are crooks. In Purple Rain, we were small time crooks, and now we have graduated to the big time. We own and control this area called Seven Corners, which really there are four corners and four clubs, and everyone answers to us. It's really about the rivalry between us and the kid, who is the picked on, felt sorry for hero. But at the end of the movie, he gets the girl and beats us with a ballad. He changes our hearts and minds and makes us into good church going individuals with the song. <laughs> Wow, I didn't right. get so, that from the, <laughs> that. No, that that actually sounds that's, exactly what happened. It is, but it yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm gonna, gonna preface this real quick. We are not gonna go through this movie beat by beat like we do with some of our other movie episodes because there is no plot. So uh, we're gonna go. Uh, I guess the best way to put it is song by song. There we go. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna do it this way. But um, yes, yeah, starting out with this movie. The first song is uh, is NPG. Am I correct there? I think that is the yes. first song you hear, and that song fucking rules. I'm so into that song. Yeah, and that, that one's not bad. That's one of the better ones. Yeah, that is yep. the theme song for the New Power Generation, which is Prince's what Prince's band became after Wendy and Lisa left, and never the the Doctor guy left. <laughs> The doctor guy, yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody left. He he created a new band, and they were called the New Power Generation, and they they were his band until uh, twenty twelve, actually. 
I think the year after this, they put out Diamonds and Pearls. I think that was their first album as the the new Power Generation or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, guys, I have to tell you that I've been listening to this soundtrack for, I'm not kidding, like 10 days straight. So I've, I've started to lose my mind a little bit. Like, I'm starting no. to get, like, Stockholm Syndrome, and I'm convinced that, like, you know, joy and repetition is a classic. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might just be, I, you might have just take all my opinions with a grain of salt, because I might have lost my mind a long time ago. I just want to caveat that. But New Power Generation is perfect. That sounds great. Yeah. But hold on a second. But hold on a second. Before we get there, I mean, I know we can't, we're not going to go beat by beat, but I have to say that just the way this movie intros... Where he wakes up. Oh God! He wakes. <laughs> he wakes up. It's like coitus interruptus, and he immediately jumps on the computer. Goes right to his, his Apple II. His yeah, is like his and and starts and while his uh his significant other is getting dressed and pissed off and you know leaving, he's sitting there fingering this trackball mouse. <laughs> I noticed such that too. It's so sensual. <laughs> and I'm like. Well, that's why she's pissed because you're over here playing with the mouse better than you play with a clip. <laughs> I'm sure anybody who's playing Overwatch now uh, has the same problem if they're in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Prince of the OG Overwatch. That's what he was doing. And she does make like, this, like, sort of, uh, like, quick comment so you know what happened to Apollonia. She, she was like, that's what happened to your other girl. Oh, I didn't catch that. Okay. Yeah, and that's that why Apollonia isn't there. Okay, because I thought it'd be really funny if they just, like, in one of the random B-roll shots of, like, Morris's club, they just show Apollonia as now, like, a go-go dancer in a cage or something. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> they, they don't explain it at all. Just, like, one shot, like, blam, there she is. That's what happened to her. But yeah. now that's that's... You know, of course, what happened is that Prince and her like broke up and like, right? Acrimoniously, because yeah. this this and movie she says something about him needing to grow up. He's like, "No, I'm your baby, and you have to take care of me." And she just oh, yes, doesn't, right. turn, doesn't turn away from the computer at all while no. he's saying that. She just climbs up the ladder. Where, 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 why the ladder? I don't know. Without down the dungeon, or <laughs> he lives in a... and she leaves, and he's just on the computer, staring at the computer. While the voice is saying just around the corner like it's fucking Shoeless Joe. That would be Aura, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is Aura, who apparently... uh, It doesn't tell you, but uh, she's an angel from heaven? Yeah, they they start to really hit on that pretty hard at the end. It doesn't tell you right um, away, but if you listen to her inner monologue, she keeps talking to heaven. Not to God, to heaven. Yeah, and I'm wondering... Did this movie come out like right around the time that he he uh, converted to to uh, uh, Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness, Witness? and uh, that's why there's if... so much religion in here? Well, he definitely was, because um, I don't think he I don't think he went Jehovah's Witness until later in the '90s. But I know that he started to kind of have a religious uh, kind of spiritual awakening kind of around this time. And that's kind of like what he was trying trying to do with the movie. Um, yeah, it was around this time, I think. Or he was geared would, up towards. It would explain a lot because, like, what is it about just like artistic genius and 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 celebrity or just being a Jehovah's Witness that predisposes predisposes people to just strangeness? Yeah, and and seclusion too. Like he was becoming a recluse at this point too. Yeah, he was living underneath that stage in, in, a, in a hole. He was living in the turtle layer. 
and <laughs> the, would pop out every now and then to fight some crime, and then he'd, he'd duck back underneath the sewer. Yeah, he had to fight that crime. To fight that. Who's the crime? The time is the crime. Yeah, <laughs> and the the time, you know, like the synopsis says, the time has become crime bosses. Yeah, Which does, that meeting when they introduce Morris Day, mob boss, is just incredible. He makes that guy eat that hot chili pepper for no fucking dude. reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm all everything that Morris Day does, I do not understand. Honestly, uh, I don't. I told you guys, I told you guys when we when we came up with this or when you came up with this idea and you you asked me to do this, I was like, I I don't know what to expect from this movie. All I care about is if there's a lot of Morris in it, and it did not disappoint. It was just nah. golden Morris day all day I, long. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Like I'm like, look, Morris is completely ridiculous. He is, he's batshit. But every time he's on screen, that's the only time. I, that's when I would laugh. I was laughing just like, how ridiculous he was. And there's so much Jerome, and it's just that. Just like I want the cut of this movie where you cut out the songs and the kid, and it's just the Morris Day cut of of uh, of Graffiti Bridge, and just be like his weird adventures. I think because they're all amazing. Jerome, on the other hand, uh, you know, hey, did you guys did you guys read the Boondocks like back when it was a strip? I know Jay, yeah. you did. Ryan, did you? Okay. Yeah. So do you remember the one a long time ago where he um where uh, Huey and Caesar had the uh, the most embarrassing black people awards? How come Jerome didn't make that list? Cause God. Oh, damn. Yeah. Did they get Virgil one? Because uh, that would make sense, right? Like, I uh, think yeah. I, that wasn't that one of them. Uh, they should have, but they gave it to they gave it to Lavar Burton for for, okay. for George Forge, which I, I I take objection to, but I get it. But yeah, Jerome, Jerome is definitely Jerome is like list. number one, two, and three on that list because he is just like the biggest lackey. He's washing Morris's balls the whole time. Yeah, and then they, they end up kissing at some point uh, by accident. And of course, because it's the 90s, you had to have a gay panic scene. By accident, huh? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I always wonder but about that. I, about uh, Jerome. I don't think it was no accident. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, but you know, I always wonder about that with Jerome. Because, I mean, because the other, the other side of that is like, okay, so uh, another character, uh, Robin Power. She gets treated like lower than dog Absolute shit. shit. So the, you know what's crazy about that is that she was originally supposed to be the star. She was supposed to be like the Aura role. Um, but then, you know, for a reason, the way Prince deals with his like muses or whatever, she just didn't make the cut. And he, they like cast this actress. I can't, I forgot her name. Um, I don't know. Uh, Chavez, <laughs> something Chavez. Yeah, yeah. So like, it was supposed to be Robin Power. So like, if you think of her as going from being the star to being just the girl that Morris shits on all the time, like that's a pretty hard pill to swallow. Maybe that's and, why they got the performance they did out of her because she's yeah, she's mean. Pistol time. But I felt so bad for her. Like with the part where you know where there's a there's a mud puddle and Jerome snatches her cape off and puts it on the puddle so that yeah. so that so that Morris can walk on it. I'm yeah, like, what the, kind of shit is this? See the whole attitude towards women in this, in, in this entire movie and in Purple Rain is insane. We just yes. have to say it's, it's, it's insane. shitty. It is, yes, but I just, just felt completely so insane. But for Robin, I just felt the worst. I was like, "You're just getting it in the teeth every scene you're in." Yeah, she got it. But bad. see, th- this is the weird thing because according to Wikipedia, Robin Power 
is playing Robin because everyone uses their own name except for the kid. <laughs> but Robin, and this is the the part I don't get about this whole movie anyway, because the rivalry between Morris and Prince is because Billy, the owner of the club from the first movie, died and willed the club to Morris and the kid. Yeah, but, to own together, right? Yeah, yeah, but Robin Power is is playing Billy's daughter and she also has a stake in both clubs. Oh, okay, I didn't get that. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get it either. That's that's what the <laughs> Wikipedia so says. She's controlling boat. She could have she could have solved this whole fucking thing. Yeah. The whole thing could have been avoided. This whole rigmarole. <laughs> yeah, and that's because there's two that well there's four clubs, but the two main clubs are Pandemonium and the Grand Slam. The Glam Slam. But they're they're two separate buildings. But they were two willed. They, they were, yeah, they they were willed by Billy, the the owner from the first movie. But that was a that was the First Avenue Club. Where did these two yeah. did did Billy own two buildings and they're owning them both, or was the Glam Slam the First Avenue Club and they renamed it? Or I I like that in this absurd Prince masterpiece of madness, you're looking for documents. You're like, where are the pink slips? I'm trying to understand this. I'm trying it's to the, follow the money, man. It's the follow only the way. It's the only way I, I can figure out this movie. <laughs> no, it's a great question. Like, how the fuck did it end up in these in these guys' hands to the point where they're now going to, like, ruin each other's lives over it? You know? I think that's the whole crux of the movie. So it's like, it, even if that part doesn't make any sense, like, you just don't have a movie here. No. No, you barely have a movie. Yeah. You have a bunch of different places to perform songs in. Yeah. So can we... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, should we go to another song or do we still want to pick apart this goddamn... Uh... No, Let's go I, I mean... release it. I want to talk about release it. Woo! And this is the... I think the best song in the movie. Might, yeah, if might, not maybe the second. The best song. Yeah. It was fucking fire just the way he even did it. He came in and said, release it. And then he samples it on that fucking guitar, dude. I thought that was the coolest way to battle somebody. Now, was that take their voice and sample it? Which one is that? Is that is that a uh, Jimmy Jam or Terry Lewis? I always, yeah. I I get them mixed up all the time. I do too. Is Terry the big one? I think Jimmy's the big one. Jimmy's Uh, the big. Okay, so he he's the one that had the guitar. Okay, yeah. So what happens is. Oh, it's so fucking awesome. So, uh, okay, Morris walks in to the kid's club, and he says the words, release it. And to mock him, the kid goes, release it, and they all sing it. But <laughs> Jimmy Jam is there with his sampling guitar, so he samples Prince, or the kid, saying, singing that, and then they turn it into a song to basically tell Prince to go fuck himself. Yeah. It was and incredible. They take over Prince's club. Yep. It's a lot like two. It's two things. It's a lot like. In fact, they kind of happen around the same time. It's a lot like when um, when uh, when Dipset and Jay Z were beefing, and Jay cut a verse over uh, Jim Jones, "We Fly High," and then Ooh. Jim Jones took the, he took that, with the Jay Z verse on it, and put it out himself again with the verse dissing Jay Z on it. Yeah, that's exactly so, what this was. <laughs> But then the other thing is where he takes over the club. It reminds me, I was in the barbershop. I wasn't actually at this strip club when this happened, but I was at the barbershop and these guys were talking about it. He's like, he was like, man, we was up in there. Chingy was in there and the place was 
the, you know, the place was bumping and blah 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 and this you know and it, 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 it's 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 a it, it you know they're just talking about just how how live it was and Chingy's there and then all of a sudden Nelly walk in I swear to God it's like everybody moved to the other side of the room they vacuumed up all the money off the floor and it was empty <laughs> on that side everybody was over where Nelly was and Chingy was with one of us texting <laughs> it was like. <laughs> <laughs> Chingy's like, yeah, you win this round, Nelly. That's what it. That's the, the, both those things came to mind when that's when amazing. Happened. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, and then and then doesn't isn't that the same scene where Morris pisses on his plant? <laughs> yes, this is what I, I I wanted to touch on next. So so the the song ends and Morris basically tells all of the the club goers to leave and go to his club, Pandemonium, instead. So then he's he's standing by this potted plant and he he's like you know your your plant needs some water, so he starts pissing on it, and Jerome is standing next to him. Do you remember what he did before that? What? A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O. Pissing you guys, Prince wrote this movie, which means Prince <laughs> wrote that shit. That shit is genius. Prince is a genius. Oh my god! Not because of me as a musician, just as a screenwriter. Yeah, and and then he he's pissing on, on this plant, and uh, Jerome is standing next to him, and he's looking up at this guy, looking up at this guy. He takes a glance down, looks back up at this guy. Yeah, he does take a peek. Yeah, yeah, and then. He gives Morris a lighter, and Morris must have been pissing gasoline or lighter fluid yeah. or something, <laughs> because this isn't a dry tree. This is a, like a green fern, and he takes the lighter, and he just lights it, and the thing goes, woof, just sets it ablaze. And yeah, like, like he's pissing gasoline. Literally. Yeah, I'm like, oh what God. the fuck is wrong with this plant? <laughs> Plants don't Prince do just that. Like, Prince just looks at it, registers it, and like walks away. Just yeah. Like, skulks away like a teenager like he does everything yeah and he drives out to to the aforementioned the titular graffiti bridge and the finds bridge. finds now, aura sitting there now, um, and then drives away what now when they're outdoors did you notice how every time they're outdoors it's always one time of day it's always dark and foggy Oh yeah! Oh, dude, Hammer Horror all day. This shit looked like the beginning well, of like a '60s Dracula movie. Not all the time. Well, ninety percent of the time it is. Yeah. And I want to say it, my theory is, Jay, I think this lends credence to you that to to your theory that Prince and Batman are in the same universe. I don't think this is a, a, a sequel to Graffiti Bridge or to a uh, Probe Rain. No, I think this is a sequel to Batman '89. <laughs> See, I got more evidence to uh, to support that as we go along. But, I'm a, uh, this I'm is talk just about my that first... later. <laughs> this oh, is that shit first, did uh... look... Dude, that's brilliant, because that shit... Uh, Batman 89 looks like it's on a set, too. It looks real manufactured. So, like, I would not have been surprised if the 89 Batmobile just kind of rolled up in the middle of this... What what have you, you know, in front of yeah. Pandemonium. Yeah, well, um, let's, uh, let us continue. I got more evidence and... to support that. I'll let you know when it comes up. <laughs> Before we we move on can i talk about the bridge for a second because i don't understand it (laughs) this road apparently there's a road that goes around the bridge 
I don't know if it's like a cul-de-sac or what, because Prince comes rolling in from the side of it, goes alongside in front. The bridge is going over water, but the road is going over the water too. <laughs> Somehow, completely useless bridge. And and well, then it, it I, I'm guessing it's just like a footbridge or something. I don't know. But he he pulls up and sees Aura sitting there, doesn't talk to her, doesn't say anything. And Aura's sitting on a rock and she's holding a feather, you know, so you you get the connection that she's, you know, she's an angel. And then he sits there and then he drives around. It seemed like he drove in a circle around the bridge and took off. Yeah, it's just classic kid behavior. He just, like, gives her these, like, sexy looks and then leaves. <laughs> yeah, but what is this bridge? That, that's what I don't understand. Well, it, so it's <laughs> named after a real bridge in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, which it was called Graffiti Bridge, and Eden Prairie is very near Chanhassen, where Paisley Park was, and so uh, it's probably the only cool thing in Eden Prairie. It's just a suburb, but there was this bridge. It was a railroad bridge over, like, a kind of a main road, but the weird thing was that the bridge is super narrow. So it was like, if you came to this bridge, you'd have to stop and wait for people to go through, like other cars to go through it, and then you could go through it. There was lights on either side. But it was covered in graffiti. It was like, if you were a kid going to prom in Eden Prairie, everybody had their pictures taken there and shit. Um, they tore it down, and like, I think it was like right after this movie came out, actually, because it was a completely dysfunctional, shitty bridge. Um, yeah, kind of similar like to what you're talking about, Jay. Like, <laughs> really utterly useless. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, there is a real bridge. Uh, and, you know, if you go deep on the Prince Wikipedia, uh, like I did, it, you end up finding out who got their prom pictures taken there, uh, which is a fucking waste of your time as a 34-year-old man. Oh. <laughs> no. Really? Yeah, I just, I just spent way too much time with Prince this week, guys. This is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I apologize to both of you. I, I apologized to you guys earlier after I watched yeah. this because this this movie is torture. No, I'm kidding. It, I actually really enjoyed it. I had a fucking great time because I I knew it was going to be bad. But uh, yeah, you just it's just a weird rabbit hole to go down because some people pick like all right, I want to get into Purple Rain. That's like rich and beautiful of a rabbit hole to go down. The music's amazing. Or like Sign of the Times, it's a fucking awesome record. If you ever find the concert footage, it's great. But like, very few people just pick, hey, I'm going to zero in on Graffiti Bridge and make that my like research project for Prince. And you don't turn up the best stuff, you know? No. I want to say this came about, um, what, what episode was that, Jay? Was that 20... God, our episode was called The Score. I know that much. And this is the one where you're just talking about movie soundtracks. Oh, yeah, um, when I said he looked like a lion. Like 28. Yeah, <laughs> he mentioned it way back then. And then uh, at some point when, you know, after after Prince passed, he said, you know, we, well, he wanted to save. He didn't want to do an episode like we did for Bike Dog. He said he wanted to save it for uh, a later time. He wanted to watch Graffiti Bridge and do it there. I was like, okay. I had no idea we were Strong getting into move. it. That was kind of a while back. And then, well, here we are. I love it. You don't go obvious. You got to go deep. That's brilliant. Because, I mean, like we've already said, no one ever talks about Graffiti Bridge. I don't remember seeing it since, like, 95. So, you know, let's let's get into it. And now I'm sorry I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And anyway, after Prince has his little pout party at the bridge, 
um, the movie cuts again to George Clinton's club, just called the Clinton Club. Clinton Club. Getting tongue-tied. It's just called the Clinton Club, and the... They are playing. Well, they are lip syncing a song because George is lip syncing Prince's vocals, but not doing it right. Yeah. And and he's uh, his mouth is moving. I I'm thinking they they played a different song when they actually shot this, and then well, they inserted they just, the Prince song. I think they just performed it live. Like that's what they did with Purple Rain too, which was kind of a weird thing to do in a movie. Like they performed it live and then like dubbed in the album tracks um but that really worked this in in this case because i don't think george clinton remembers what he was doing from any given moment especially then no uh, yeah so I, yeah, I think they were just doing like a loose performance and they had to just be like well you know this is what we got <laughs> let's yeah. just leave it in but that song's amazing too i'm testing positive yeah. for the funk i'll pee in anybody's cup so yeah, that, that's a Can We Funk with uh, Prince featuring George Clinton and Rosie Gaines. So it isn't really even a, a, a P-Funk song. It's a Prince song. But, you know, George is just there mouthing stuff, and they didn't even bother trying to to sync it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little off. So so then, you know, we're, we're at that club, and Aura shows up there just to look around. And then it cuts I, back I to the. <laughs> I, she has no character. Yeah, and she just wanders in and like makes these dumb faces at everything. And yeah, leaves. and then yeah. she she goes over to the glam slam, and that's when we get the weirdest part of not. Well, it's not the weirdest, but it's a weird song, "Elephants and Flowers." Yeah, and, and yeah. as as she walks into the the club, they're getting ready to start the movie or start the uh, the song. And then we get the B story, the B plot for this uh, movie, which is the rapper for NPG. Oh God! <laughs> and his whole plot. That is no B. That is an F. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's the only other subplot to this movie. It's this rapper not getting to rap, and he's begging. He's begging. I I want to rap. I want to rap. Come on, yeah. Prince. You should have let me rap. And that goes on for the rest of the movie. It's a little bit like Purple Rain, where there's his it was his guitarist, I think, has has Purple Rain written, but oh the yeah, uses to play it. Yeah, Wendy like, and Lisa. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then you know he starts performing this song, and he's wearing this weird makeup on oh his face. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> all you of know, his outfits are fucking. Did you all see that? Did you remember that episode of Saved by the Bell when um they had to do a a report about their um their ancestry and Zach being Zach Morris he went and uh just totally waited till the last minute and so he shows up to do his little presentation and he has his little makeup pens and a little brown paper sack and he starts writing on his face to to to, 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 to show his uh his Cherokee heritage or whatever and he gets a, flun- a flunking grade and he can't run the track meet that's what that should look like on here <laughs> <laughs> except except that well on his face but then he's wearing like this weird just like like half checkerboard, half. It's like a tablecloth from like a like a uh, the Tom Petty stop video or something. It just it's, it's like a it's, half a tablecloth, half half a Holiday Inn curtain, just together. <laughs> and he's got like painted on beard, right? He's got the Bud Bundy beard. Is that real? Or is that... <laughs> that's that. that... 
that's what I brought up in the in that, that episode about the score is that his between his hair and whatever's going on with his facial hair, he looks like a lion. Like like you could cast him as Lionel in a live action Thundercats movie, and it would work. You know, his hair was killing. His hair was. He was walking around with his taco weed hanging out. Um, I wanna, I just wanna note that because it comes into play later. Is what hanging out? It's taco meat. Oh. What is that? His, like, matted chest hair. Oh, yeah, he has something written there, too. That's a thing. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll skip ahead then there. Okay, okay, so, like, so, 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 I'm just, we're getting ahead, but just later on, the taco meat gets shaved down, or he trims it down so that he can write on it. <laughs> yeah, there's a message there, yeah. Yeah, it says, beat me, I'm like, beat, beat his chest? Like, what the fuck? Oh, it says, beat me. Okay, I did yeah. not, I didn't get that all. But he's walking around the whole time with this, like, untamed chest hair, and then later on in that scene, he's got it all shaved down so he can write on his chest. Yeah, the version of masculinity that Prince represents <laughs> is so amazing. That's the, the legacy he leaves behind. Is that like? Oh God! Our, we should just redefine all of our definitions of masculinity because of Prince. Yeah, because that shit worked. Yeah, it did. That's the weird part about it. It worked, but dare, I dare any one of you to try it. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, ain't I doing know. it. <laughs> yeah, and then. You know, as he's singing this song, there's like a core group of like six people who who are really, really into it, and they're dancing. And then, you know, the rest of the audience, the uh, the club members, are starting to leave, and the rapper's like, "Oh no, stay, stay, man, come on, stay. It's gonna get better. It's gonna, gonna get better. Yeah, I'm gonna rap." It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> and he never gets to rap, and everybody's leaving except for this core little group of six or seven people. And they start having an orgy in the middle of the floor. (laughs) I mean, they're stripping down and just rubbing each other, and Prince is just sitting there loving it. Yep. Yeah. He's like, I'll play to these guys. That's something that's weird about both Purple Rain and Graffiti Bridge is that, like, Prince will be, like, just killing it, like, playing New Power Generation. And then then after the song's over, everyone will be like, oh, that sucked. Or, like, he'll be like, oh, nobody understands my music. It sucks. When, like... Clearly, dude, you just played, you know, Let's Go Crazy. Like, everybody loved it. But I guess it serves the story. But it's the same exact thing, is that every time he's a misunderstood artist. Yeah, yeah. and I'm going to... I got to bring that up a little later on, too. We're not there yet, but... Yeah, yeah, good point. Because that, that keeps happening. Yeah. But And the, the last thing I'll say about Elephants and Flowers is that no matter what, like, bad idea Prince is committing to, he commits so thoroughly that it ends up being sort of interesting. That's kind of why I like that song. And... You know, you get a great guitar solo. Like that is a great Prince guitar solo in that one. So it's worth it for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, his his soundscape is killer. You know, even yeah. if the song isn't that great, I mean, just his his playing is amazing, unbelievable. And there's so much happening too that it's like hard not to. You can't look away. Yeah. And then after this orgy, it cuts to Aura living under the bridge for God knows what reason. And she's on her, like, fourth costume change? Yeah. And no shoes. No, never any shoes. And, and you know, she's under... I don't know, because it's a really quick cut, because you show her... It shows her under the bridge, like, trying to get comfortable and lay down. And then it goes to Prince back in, in the Prince cave. And he's trying to write a song. Well, what he does is he writes a letter to his dad. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. He's you know, writing to and his he dad. says, 
He says, Dear Dad, I met someone. I see her at the Glam Sam, but she won't talk to me. First of all, you didn't meet her. You've seen her. That's different. Yeah, and he, and he, he hadn't seen her like, in person at this point, or was it only in his dreams? I no, he's seen I didn't her. understand. He's seen okay. her. She's been at the glamps, but he says she won't. You saw her at the like, bridge. Oh, you've never walked up and talked to her. <laughs> he he saw her at the bridge, stopped and stared at her. She said hi or something, and then he drove off. He took off on that motorcycle. <laughs> uh, I did a little research too. That's the same bike, same exact bike with a different paint job. From is it really? Yeah, he like had it re-customized by the same guy. Oh, you know what else I forgot to mention? You put the um, we get the very early rudimentary version of that. Uh, I guess the the prince what would be this prince symbol. He's wearing it here, but it doesn't yep, look like yep. the one we know it. Yep. But yeah, he's got a little chains. He's got it on the on the bike, and he's yeah, got it on his right. kit and everything. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, but then you know he's writing this this letter to his dad and everything. And then, is, is that where, where the explosion happens? No, that actually happens oh. right in the beginning. Oh, yeah, that, that's at the beginning. But that might, well, there's always something happening to this club, but that might have been the one where they had somebody come in and just fuck his whole place up, like break his guitars and... No, uh, yeah, that I was later. Now, this is the part where okay. someone calls him. They said, hey, Tevin's got something he wants to show you. So yeah. Tevin Campbell uh, walks outside. Fuck, here, here. Yeah. <laughs> The C plot of this story is is what yeah. the fuck Tevin Campbell is doing in this movie. What happened to Tevin? I have no fucking idea. Well, you know, what? let me ask my stepdad because he loved Tevin. He bought everything Tevin Campbell even made. Like when he was like thirty seven years old. Like he he oh, loved wow. Tevin Campbell for some reason. But um, he comes out and he does round. He just performs round and round there in the street. Arguably the biggest song on the whole soundtrack. Yeah, and I yeah. hated that song. I don't know what. Where did you guys? Oh, it's so uh, well. Whenever I Prince hated it. Whenever Prince writes songs for people or like you know produces them or whatever you can just hear the prince in the song you know like mm-hmm. a lot of the early janet stuff is just like obviously prince um but that's why the performer has to be really great to you know kind of carry it but like tevin was fine but <laughs> prince didn't even remove his fucking reference track i was gonna the, say that you could hear because <laughs> you said you could hear prince in the song i'm like yeah you literally hear prince in the song he's still like that and so that's what really screws up the movie because, um, you know, Prince comes upstairs and he is listening to it like he never heard it before. I'm like, this is the same problem we had with Toughest Man in the World, Jay, at the beginning where the uh, Mr. T's rapping in the credits. And then when the credits go away and the song is still playing and like blends into the scene, the first opening scene, yeah. and you realize music is coming out of a boombox. And then Mr. T's still rapping on the boombox, but then here comes Mr. T around the corner to chase off some bullies. So it's like, in this universe, is Mr. T also a national recording artist? He's got his music on the radio? <laughs> like, that's what's happening right now. It's like Prince, he's on the song, but he's acting like he don't know the song. Yeah. yeah. But what is Tevin? Because Tevin, according to Wikipedia, because it doesn't tell you in the movie, Tevin is, um, is Melody Cool, played by Mavis Staples. It's her grandson. Yeah, but I kind of surmised that from it, but yeah, but all he does in the movie is stand outside the club and watch Prince drive by on the motorcycle, makes a face, yeah. and then runs away. And yeah. then all of a sudden he comes in, and the editing for this is so bad. He pulls out the pocket square on on his uh, purple suit to wipe his head, and then it magically appears back in his pocket. But then it shows him <laughs> stuffing it back in his pocket. But then it's gone. But then oh, halfway through the song, it, it's back in his pocket. 
perfect. Mr. Continuity. Oh, God. <laughs> well, and, and, so he finishes the song and people start throwing money. Mavis Staples tells him, don't don't pick up the money. Like, why the fuck would you not pick up the money? Yeah, right. and he goes, there's some 20s out here, Grandma. And she's like, whoa, in that case. Get- okay, well, like, so how is that any different? Pick up the money. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. why is he doing it in the first place? Is, is he trying well, to get Prince's attention? Because the Seven Corners are a culturally rich place where music clashes with other music, man. Come on. The Seven Corners where there's only four? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seven Corners, but there's, you might be able to find one to three. We're now, not sure. But. Okay. Okay. Uh, right. Is, is there actually a, a, a place where all these clubs are, like, next nope. to each other? No. Nope. No. Nothing like that. There is a place, I think it's called Five Corners, uh, that does exist. And that's that is like a place where people go out and party and stuff. But this is purely a, a prince. But where the the club from Purple Rain that there's not clubs like across the street from it. No, 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 no. Or back not. then uh, there wasn't or anything. No, no. Um, which is a shame because it would have been cool to be see this back in first. Ave. That's the first thing I did was when they're playing New Power Generation. I'm like checking to see if this is First Avenue that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. Is that club uh, still there? Yeah, still there. It, uh, it was going to oh, go shit. under a couple years ago, but uh, they somehow kept it open. There was like some pissing match between the owners. That was the other thing is my dad also works for the city, so I got to hear about all the bureaucracy, uh, which I'm sure you'd be interested in, Jay. I could find out who owns the pink strip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I need, a, I need a land ownership and deeds. Yeah. Uh, I'll see what I can do for you in public records. Don't worry. Yeah, blueprints, please. Also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, that doesn't really exist. That That's completely a construction where, yeah, we got Tevin Campbell out there in the street. Just poor Tevin Campbell dressed up like a mini Morris Day. Yeah, I never thought about that, but yeah, he is. Yeah, he doesn't have anything other than like Morris's suits. I think is like what he's wearing because it's the exact same outfit and like this kind of the same dance moves too, a little bit like. And he's got it these like it was literally one of Morris's suits because it doesn't fit on him. It's he's gigantic. And nobody's clothes fit in the nineties though. I mean, uh, no, that's true. That's true. I'm just saying, you know, uh, they may have they may very well have just taken that out of Morris's closet and said, "Here you go. Here's your here's your wardrobe." Yeah, he sounds like Prince and he dances like Morris. And yeah. Dressed like Morris, yeah. And then he's got these three backup dancers wearing all leather. and So much leather. <laughs> and it keeps cutting back to somebody who's got a uh, a turntable like resting on their hip and he keeps is- scratching it. But I don't know where that guy is because I don't see him in the crowd. He's not one of the dancers. That's what I, I kept looking for on myself too. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was trying to find like where is that? Because I want to see what kind of apparatus that was, like where he had a he had like a turntable on a sash. <laughs> on a sash. That's what it Not looked like. like. A regular strap. Like, yeah, definitely. I kept a sash. rewinding it, trying to find it. Like where is it? And looking in the crowd, trying to find where he was, and it wasn't there. Yeah, I don't know yeah, where this comes from. When you had that, you had to have a, a DJ scratching on your song. Because it was like rap was like a novelty then, you know? Yeah, this is when music is starting to go into uh, what we call black butt rock, which is like the uh, <laughs> the new Jack Swing. And they kind of, I, I think the move, the, the music or the uh, the movie is kind of, it's it's, it's kind of talking like about that in the music too, because they say no one likes his music, but then everybody's playing like, you know, uh, playing like new Jack Swing type shit. Yep. 
And that, well, that is not encapsulated better than in my favorite song, uh, My Name is Prince, which is my favorite Prince song, hands down. Oh, yeah. Like, whatever he was working on on Graffiti Bridge, he just nailed it all in that song. Yeah, that's a great song. That's almost fire. That was off of, um, was that Sexy Motherfucker? Was off of, uh, Gold Experience? Is that what it was? Gold. No, okay, not yeah, Gold yeah. Experience. Uh, sure. The, Ugh, it doesn't even have it's a it's a symbol album. Oh, the one where it's just it's just a symbol album then. Yeah. Okay. All right, Ben. That's the one. It, I know it's like there's like those two are like right behind each other. Yeah, that that song fucking rules. But it, it's it, you're right. It's like it's like a embryonic version of 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 like that kind of like new jack swingy. Like there were shots of people using turntables in this movie that like clearly they didn't know how to use turntables. Well, of course At, not. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get that either. Um, yeah. And so before, but before we, we jump <laughs> off of Tevin Campbell, I just had a, a music. Wasn't Tevin Campbell produced by Quincy Jones after this? Yes, because I because if I wouldn't have known, I would have sworn up up and down that Round and Round was a, a Quincy Jones track, but it's a Prince produced out uh, track. Oh uh, no, I always knew it was a Prince song. You know, um, from back when it was on this uh when it was getting played because it was off the graffiti bridge soundtrack and again you hear prince singing on it so i was like that's that's weird though because in my mind it was always just tevin like i thought it was like a a, just a huge r&b hit i didn't realize it had anything to do with prince until you know until now and it's so clearly a prince song now but at the time i didn't sound like that to me at all i actually remember my mom telling me when i because i pointed that out i said this is Tevin Campbell, but how come I said Prince is on this song, isn't he? I hear him right there. Isn't that Prince? He's like, yeah. Well, he wrote this song and has him singing it. And I was like, he doesn't write his own songs. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, that's how it worked. I didn't know people. You know, what what the hell did I know? I was eight. Yeah, yeah. Nobody but, knew anything. So anyway, so, so so somehow Morris and Jerome end up at the bridge. Oh, yeah, this was my they, favorite. They just happened to be driving by, and it, it's daytime, so you can see the bridge better now. And, well, I say it's daytime, the the background is just blue. It's just like, like a powder. There's one exterior shot of them driving, like, through the countryside, and then it cuts to the set. It's just a blue background with all these fake plants and trees there, and oars riding, and... And, and they, they pull up and they're going to holler at her, but but Morris won't do it directly because, of course, he sends Jerome to do it. Yeah, he he says, he, "I'm going to pose." He's like, "Yes, I'll be over <laughs> here posing by the Porsche." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So Jerome goes over there and starts talking to her, and Morris is just there. He's you know he's making all these poses in front of this Porsche. He's folding his arms and stuff, oh, fixing it. his hair. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so good. She's like, what's up with your boy? Does he have to pee or something? And no, nah, he's posing. <laughs> he literally says he's posing. Yeah. And then he comes up and he says, "He this exchange, I mean, I know we're going to do some kind of hotlines later, but this exchange, the fact that Prince wrote this and it comes out of Morris Day's mouth is my favorite thing ever. When he goes, name. He doesn't even ask. He just says name. She goes, aura. He goes, lovely. Where'd you get that ass? Same place you got your manners. Jerome, where'd I get my manners? Same place you got that ass. And where was that? Mama. 
That's right, baby. Your mama. Now, when he said that, my question was, "What ass?" Yeah, yeah, because she her back was turned, and that's a point. But you know, we've seen her in other scenes. There's not much there to be seen, and this is the point I was making. If you want, we're going to reference this Disorderly's episode one more time. You know, remember when Jay Mills went into that alternate universe, 1980s, where asses were were a big thing in the mainstream, and he was getting ass in kindergarten or whatever he was saying on the show. That's a very classic. I'm like, this episode is case in, or this movie, case in point. This is what I'm talking about. Because later on, and I'm kind of getting ahead, um, when they're at Morris's Club, he's playing Shake Something, and they zoom in on everybody. They zoom in on everybody's ass, and there's no, there's no ass on these butts at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's there's like, a camera that's dedicated to people's butts in that in that scene. And there's no yeah. butts. There's no and, butts. And then you see, like, uh, there's a part where they go into the club, and there's a hostess there who's, you know got like kind of a kind of big hips you got like a more voluptuous figure and when you turn around she turns around and she's got a dress that's got all these frills on the back which is hiding what i'm guessing is an ass under there and that's the point i was making see back then it wasn't fashionable so they always either cast yeah. really slim chicks or they hit it you know what i'm saying yeah yeah we're pretty and kim so k man that's, and so that's why brand beyonce, well, beyonce. Well, let's well, give well, it to the queen it's pre Sir Mix a lot, you know what I'm saying? It's pre ninety ninety two, where he made it, he made it fly, you know what I'm saying? But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, you know, Hollywood or just mainstream stuff, they weren't promoting ass. It wasn't a thing like you know, and so um, that's why I thought it was so ahead of its time in Disorderlies, where I can't remember which one said it, it was the Buffy or Cool who said, "Look at that butt," and the other one says, "Ah, it's flat like a pancake." Like he was disgusted. You know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the only time I heard someone say that in 1987. That's true. That's true. Super progressive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were in the titty era in this era. This was the titty era. So. Yeah, but even then, Aura's kind of flat. (laughs) This is the part of the show where we objectify women's bodies. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of like what back then and versus now, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. You know, objectifying or body shaming anybody. No, no I'm not. It's all just journalism. Yeah, and and since we're at this point, this is the point where where Aura decides in her mind documentary that it's going on separate. She <laughs> she is go- going to try and turn Morris to God by going out with him. So so they end up going to Pandemonium. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, this is weird. And. As they pull up to the club, two of the NPG are are co- coming out of the club after you know staking it out and seeing how big Morris's uh, crowd is. And so Morris see, sees them coming out the door, and and confronts them. And he, he's like, uh, "How do you like my new bracelet?" Oh, and then points at Aura. Oh God! And oh. and she's like, "You're what?" He's like, "Oh, I'm just playing." And then she grabs his arm, and they walk in, and then these dudes stare at her ass as she's walking in the building. And then they take off to go tell Prince that that Aura's with uh, Morris now. Yeah, again, the way that women are treated in both of these films is insane. Yeah, Yeah, well, the way Jerome handles himself is just embarrassing, again, because... They, uh, Morris and Aura go sit down at this table and Jerome is under the table Jerome is under the table serving them drinks like through the table and then like looking at her legs and stuff too under there serving something <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I did have a note that said like Morris didn't love that shit oh yeah oh, he's, 
man. And, and then there's a, as, as they're coming in the club, there's a quick shot of Robin Power dancing in, in one of the go-go cages. Yeah. And, and then it cuts back to Jerome taking wine out of Morris's glass and pouring it into Orr's glass, trying to get her drunk. And we go into the next song, which is a uh, uh, love machine. Yes, and during this number, did any? If I'm the only one who noticed the big bottle of Crisco on the stage. Yes, Dude, what I was took a shot. <laughs> what, what, like, what the fuck is that? Is that? Yes. <laughs> Amazing! I love that you guys got that too. <laughs> what? What is that? <laughs> It's, just, like, it's, it's like a Honey I Shrunk the Kids size bottle of Crisco. Oh, oh, why is it there? Yeah, yeah, what the hell is it there for? It <laughs> had nothing to do with the song. <laughs> but then, you know, Orr starts getting kind of drunk, and then she's thinking, well, should I sleep with him? Should I not? And then I guess she decides to sleep with him in order to bring him to the Lord? Yeah, then, how it works, sure. But then they go into the song. And then she's got... Well, she doesn't actually sing. She's got another person singing her lines. Um, what's the woman's name? Uh, Elisa Ferrillo is Aura's singing voice, but she's uncredited. Sure. Okay. But um, they sing the song, and the song's okay. Yeah, that sounds fine. I, I don't know. I just... I'm not into it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think, think it was great, but um, you know, skipping ahead a little bit, you know, after the song, well, during the song, the two guys from MPG go tell Prince, "Hey, you know, this girl's over at uh, over at Pandemonium," and so Prince decides to go over there, and he's like watching all of this, and now Morris has got her drunk, and decides to take her back to his place. So they get in the car, and this is the part where if you would have asked me even up to a year ago um, what album is Thieves in the Temple in, I would have said the Batman 89 soundtrack. Because just from the video for the, the song, and, you know, well, basically all of the music videos are just the movie. They just cut yeah. the, the movie, and that that's the music video that they put out. Yeah. But it's Prince following Morris and Jerome on his motorcycle, and then it cuts to these dark alley shots, and you see him up on the roof of the building, and yeah. Thieves in the Temple starts. And I'm like, okay, well, this is from Batman, clearly, because look at it. He's, he's on the be. roof in shadows. The, this, this is, is a Batman the, 89 sequel. Yeah, this is from <laughs> Batman 89. But it's not. <laughs> no, because it's almost like it, it's he's like he's like he's trying to do his best Michael Jackson impression too when he's down yeah, there in the alleys. Yeah. He's so trying to do Michael and like yeah, you know what? Mike and Prince got compared in a lot of ways. Some that you know are valid, some not. Um, you know, I was impressed with his dancing though. I, I, I was too, but I I'm like, really you know impressed. what? You're no Mike Jackson. Not yeah. here. <laughs> no. Yeah, the like steam coming out of the grates and like it was very much looked like the Billy Jean video. Uh, yeah, but but I think that might be like the second, 
Maybe the second or third best song on the whole album, that, that Thieves in the Temple. That's a, that's a Thieves great in the Temple was great. Yeah. I like Thieves in the Temple. I, I thought it, it was a great addition like, to, to the Batman soundtrack. But <laughs> it's not on the Batman soundtrack. Because <laughs> I... I think it is. I think it's the rest of the world that's wrong, Jay. I think that's what happened. Yeah, because I, I could swear that they played this song in the scene where, where Batman took Vicky Vale back to the Batcave. You know, I swore it up and down. But no, it's from Graffiti Bridge. <laughs> well, yeah, well, speaking of taking people back places, do we forget to, like, so he's got, Morris and Jerome have, they've got Aura in the in the limo or in the car, or whatever. Can you? And they're suggesting in- that they're gonna have a threesome. Well, you know, yeah, like, he a sandwich tonight. Yeah, <laughs> which is, god damn it. Yucky. But can you roofie an angel? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, because it's gonna happen right here. You guys, <laughs> I I have the movie playing at, as we're talking here. I I'm sorry to to back us up again, but. In this Thieves in the Temple video, this is where he's wearing those assless chaps. You can't yeah. see his oh, ass this is because when he's his wearing the like the thigh high. Jumps. Yeah, yeah, because oh, the the jacket is just long enough. But you, whenever he's dancing, you can see you know his upper thigh whenever he kicks his leg and stuff. So yeah, and it he made that shit work, dude. He was that that worked for him. It was incredible. I, I was thinking that same thing during the whole scene. I was like. He's got his bare ass hanging out, and he's like just humping the air, and like his package is all exposed, and like, dude, he just he owned that shit, made it work for him. Yeah, it's all electric. Dude. And well, a lot of people like to hear a pretty long rap sheet. You did okay. You did okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, apparently everyone lives in their club, so. So, right, yeah, there was, okay, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Every time they go to someone's house, and the thing is, they just come out of the club, and Prince is following them all around, and they just end up going right back to Pandemonium. So what are you following for? You knew they were coming back. Yeah, there's one road in Seven Corners. It's the one that goes through the alley, and then the one that goes in front of the clubs, and then that's it. <laughs> well, it, it circles around the bridge and then heads back into, oh, yeah. <laughs> into the alley. I'm going to do this. I'm going to draw a map. <laughs> Seven corners. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll post that up after on Instagram after the episode goes live. The yeah. map of Graffiti Bridge. But the movie. then Morris is like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. No, I, I'm not gonna go, going to force myself on her. I'm gonna wait till she wakes up. And he I keeps... was so worried that it was gonna be the other way. I was yeah, like, yeah, this, the way this movie has been going, I was like, it's gonna get. This is gonna get really bad. I was so glad when it didn't. Yeah, and then he whispers to to her that you're gonna fall in love with the first face you see, and so then he he decides, well, okay, I'm gonna wake her up now. I'm not gonna wait. So as, as he he's saying this stuff, Prince has snuck in, and the room is only lit by candles. Prince blows out the candles through the shadows. Yeah, man, like Batman, and <laughs> and he he blow, blows out the candles. The room is dark. And he picks up Aura and takes her out. All you hear is Jerome say, saying, uh, oh, it's going down now or something like that. And you just hear, oh, I'm a, oh, oh, you're touching my chest or something like that. Yeah, oh, she's got some chest hair on her. Yeah. And then the lights go on and Jerome and, and Morris are on opposite sides of the couch. And this is the worst... 
is the best worst part. They start to fake vomit and like they start to like yeah gag. Yeah, uh, I I I sent this that clip to both of you as I was watching yep. this. I'm like, this is how I feel right now. <laughs> and I hadn't seen the movie yet, so I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Um, but neither of them can act, but they both act, which is my favorite part about their performance. Is that they don't have any traditional experience acting; they just have experience being on stage. So all they do is like bug out their eyes and like do really weird faces and shit. But it's not really acting; it's just like emoting, and that's why I love watching them. Yeah, well, what I took from that is it's not re- well; it's, it's it's acting because they want to have us believe it's nothing they haven't done before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what that's where my note was from. Is like, of course, yeah, Jerome loved that shit. But they both actually are about to throw up. Like, Jerome, you were just under the table washing his balls, man. You know what's up. Yeah, yeah. But it's the 90s. you got to have a gay panic scene. Everything had a fucking gay panic scene. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so, uh, so, so Prince gets Aura back to the house, and then, uh, this is, and see, so, he already knows how to creep through the shadows like Batman. Now he knows how to take it while she's passed out like Batman did Vicky Vale when he roofied her, um, twice in the movie. Yeah, but it it cuts to this. I guess it's like a dream sequence or something, and he's singing "Question of You." <laughs> oh, is this the whole thing? Yeah, where they're in the alley after he's like painted the whole thing on the wall. Yeah, because um, she's passed out, but then it keeps cutting to him performing the song, and she's in a completely different outfit and wearing sunglasses. And then they're in the alley, and. And she's like, no, I shouldn't, no, I shouldn't. It was, and then she's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do it because it's just around the corner. And yep. then they have sex in the alley. Or they, they yeah, don't. It's like, a, it's like a Bollywood sex scene, right? They do it to, like, to the music in form of dance. Yep. Yeah, but it, it's weird because she's actually on his couch. And there's this weird scene of him attempting to touch her breast, and then he pulls his hand away, and then he sucks on his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts back to the song, oh, and they're in this this uh this alleyway, and then they they almost do it, and then she says no and runs away. He wakes up, and she's you know still asleep on the couch there, or on the 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 bed and and he wakes her up by like flopping on top of her yeah. which is a very weird way to wake somebody up and doesn't say a word and then starts playing hangman with her yeah and and she doesn't even try either she just no she, she just yeah A B <laughs> C so but then the the word that was trying to spell was mine so yeah. I guess again we're owning women. Yeah. And then she goes talk and he's like, No, he won't speak to her. See and it's the thing where he we wrote the letter to his dad saying she won't talk to me. Like he never says a word to her. Yeah. Not to this point in the movie. He's the worst. God, the kid is just the fucking worst. I <laughs> Yeah. Oh. He's just a baby about everything. You guys I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> like this movie. And and then she, she's like, "No, you're not. No, I, I'm not. Not yours." Because he he writes, he, he fills it in the hangman, and it says mine. And then he points to her, then points to the word, then points to him, and she says no. And then she points to heaven. 
So then he gets all moody and pouty about it and won't talk to her still. And then she leaves. So, okay. So, <laughs> what what essentially is happening is it's the same shit as Purple Rain. They're fighting over a girl, right? Like, but in Purple Rain, it's a real person. In Graffiti Bridge, it's maybe an angel. And, yeah. okay. And the angel is fighting to bring them to God or something. To show them that they're both wrong and that they should just be friends, I think. It's really well, weird. Because this is right after this is when Morris challenges him to a battle, right? Yeah. He challenges yeah. Morris to the battle, right? Because he walks okay, in the yeah. room like, ah! <laughs> Yeah, he does his prince scream <laughs> in a business meeting, which is incredible. And oh, this is right God. after... This is right after um, Morris and Jerome are playing Big Bank, Little Bank with dueling banjos, which yeah. is amazing. They're like, we're going to fight. And they're like, all right, let's do it. They start whipping out their money and counting their stack. That was incredible. That was one of my favorite scenes. And right before that, actually, he lashes out at Jerome. Like, I forget what Jerome said. I forget what the dialogue is. But he lashes out at Jerome. But instead of, like, decking Jerome across the, across the face, he pushes Robin clear across the room. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, Robin gets about that. That. Robin just gets, man. Yeah, that poor woman. She's like 10 foot taller than him anyway. She should just kick his ass. She could fuck everybody up in that whole production. Pretty much. But Maybe it never happens cause, yeah. because women. Yeah. yeah exactly. And is is this a, after Prince challenges, then is this the part where Robin takes him up, t- takes a Morris upstairs and has this whole strip dance thing? I think yeah. so. Prince is like, hey, we're going to battle. Whoever wins gets to keep the glam slam, right? Yeah. But. Yeah. But this is also before Morris sends out a fax or whatever to all the owners at Seven Corners being like, from now on, you report all of your earnings to me. And that's when Mavis Staples is like... So isn't that kind of happening at the same time? Mavis Staples is singing her song? No, that, that's like Robin right, is also that's right like at the right end. Right after this. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. It's a little fuzzy for me at the end. Yeah, because like... Well, yeah, because after that meeting, and Aura is outside with, with Prince in the alleyway where he's been writing the song and scratching it out, and then that's where they have sex in the alleyway. That's right. That's right. And yeah. then, and then uh, he shows and he up. He counts to the battle because he just busts his nut off. Now he's feeling himself, and he walks to the business meeting like, <laughs> which sounds cool on a record. It just sounds. He sounds, sounds like a pterodactyl in a business meeting. <laughs> And they zoom the camera over because you hear where it comes out. You hear where the sound comes from. And they turn the camera over here. You see him screaming in the doorway. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And actually, Morris even says that. He's like, what is your main problem? I love that line. What is your main problem? Like, he's like, I know you got a lot of them. Just give me the main one. I loved that line. Love that too. Man. And that Prince wrote that, which is, makes me just love oh, Prince more. And this is where, where he has that, that full-on lion mane look. His hair's all blown out big, you know? If that's, a, if that's a double meeting, maybe he was going into lion's mane, too? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And he's wearing, like, a, a series of, like, tube socks all over his body. <laughs> black tube socks. Oh, God. What's his attempt to making the bat suit? He's taking everything he learned from Batman. Because, <laughs> you know, um, in... In the director's cut of Batman 89, Prince and, and the Revolution are actually right there uh, in the corner while he's fighting the Joker and the uh, and the guys he kills in the cathedral. He's actually there playing the music and the Batman dances like a uh, Vanilla Ice in the um, Ninja Turtle in, uh, movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that really happens? 
No. In, in the director's cut? <laughs> no. In the, the J.Ru cut. It in in oh, my no, cut, that's how it happens, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, and, and then we get this other scene of, um, of, a, a, after everyone's been challenged, Morris sends the time over to the Glam Slam and they trash all the instruments and stuff and then they set oh. a fire? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they try to burn him. They try to burn him down. And Prince is is just under the stage in the Prince Cave, but, but I guess they don't know that he lives there. I I don't understand. Everybody lives in their own club, so I don't know how they don't know. Yeah, so he he comes out, out of his little hidey hole in this total Jesus prophet outfit because it's like this big white smock, and it's got the black like piece that goes on top of it totally looking like Jesus and he's all dejected and mad and he I guess finds other instruments Morris is well time out time out you forgot about the best scene of the movie what well when he comes out and he just finds all the destroyed equipment and he wakes up and he goes out and sees everything so he heads out the door and through the door he does that 360 degree turn yeah he can't turn left (laughs) the purple lane yeah I was waiting for it and I was like, ah, oh, there it is! He hit that turn so hard too, his hair just like, oh man, that was beautiful actually. Like, yeah, of course you Why can't walk out a door that? like a normal person. Come on. Oh. So good. And then, well, then he does uh, Tick Tick Bang too, I think, at some point. Well, and, first, like, well, first, uh, uh, Morris this, does this, the this, shake. You... Oh yeah, the shake is fine. I don't, I don't know, I don't uh, know. Big... It, it's... What are you saying, Illy? Nah, you just mentioned the shake, and I'm like, yeah, the shake wasn't good either. I just want to know. I, but the, the bottle of Crisco is still there. still doesn't come yeah. into play at all. Yeah. I just want to know. I mean, this is what I got to say about the time. The the shake is a, a weak song. I, I mean, it, it's more akin to like a like, like Twist and Shout or one of those songs from like the 40s or 50s, you know? And Yeah. I, I don't... Maybe that, that was the time shtick like when they first started out going for that kind of sound but I don't think it works for for this movie especially but no it doesn't and especially it pisses me off because they keep teasing that they're going to play jerk out like they keep saying jerking everything in sight and then at like some point around here they play the music it's instrumental but they never go into the song that would have been the oh, time shit. to play it right there it's on the soundtrack too it is what I'm saying but that's so it never shows up in the movie though they do the shake yeah, and and isn't Pandemonium itself a, a time song or name of an album? Maybe. Uh, good question. I'm not that well versed in the album titles. I just know songs. Yeah, but I, I just thought it was weird they went and played that song instead of. Yeah. Well, I, I, I yeah. say it's weird, but I was reading an article. Um, Morse Day had, had an interview about the year uh, anniversary of Prince's death. And Morris was saying how he understood Prince's, uh, you know, stand and wanting to, um, you know, control all the music and everything. But at the same time, Prince wrote a lot of time songs. And if anyone ever wanted to use a Morse in the time song, they'd have to get the okay for, for Prince. And Prince would always say no. So Morse Day was always kind of beefing with, with Prince because he was losing money. 
Yeah, and actually, that's funny you mentioned that because uh, there's a there's a there's a Kevin Smith um, uh, monologue floating around. Been you know, I guess since around the time he, when he did uh, Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back, and he wanted to use uh, the most beautiful girl in the world for the scene when Shannon Elizabeth shows up, and so he got people got him in contact with Prince, and he was all flustered about talking to him, but he finally got him, and he said, "Yeah, well, you know, I want to use." Uh, I want to use your song in my movie. Can't do it. He said no. Yeah, he said you can like, use the time song. But you yeah, yeah. So we let him use. Yeah, he let him. Use, so he so he lets him use. Uh, uh, he lets him use Jungle Love, which is why. Like, don't bother calling Morris. I, I, I don't worry. I own his masters. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why, yeah. So that's why that's a plot point in the movie that they're trying to get to a Morris Day in the Time concert, but. That was, that's the only reason why, because he wouldn't let him use his song. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's what you were saying. Yeah, but and anyway, so so then um, you know they they do the shake, and then there he hears this noise outside, and and everyone in in the club goes out outside, and Prince is there with with, with uh, the NPG, and they start doing uh, tick tick bang, or as I like to call it, uh, I like to call it um, little Nicky Light. Because it's basically what it is. <laughs> <laughs> or Darling yeah. Nikki not Darling Light, Nikki. I mean. Oh, okay, no, I was picturing Adam Sandler. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, because, I mean, it, it's basically Dar- Darling Nikki because he's dissing the, uh, the the girl that he had that ended up going with Morris for a minute. Right. Yep. It's just like, yeah, one, once again, like, everything is like a lesser version of Purple Rain. Oh, yeah. shit. Rewind, rewind, rewind. Hey, man. Rewind back in like the, maybe the first half hour of the movie. Remember when when Jill shows up or he tells her she's at Morris's now and he sees her in the street. He's like, "Oh, so Morris in the mix now?" And she drops her panties. <laughs> oh yeah, she takes yes. her panties off and, and then Air kisses him and walks off. Like what? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty amazing move, actually. That That's was a very bad. strong move. I've never the seen most it. empowered thing that any female does in this film. Yeah, <laughs> That's the only one. Yeah. But that was hilarious. So, you know, they, they do uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is, I don't know, not my favorite song. I was fire, man. I and mean, then, I know what you said about it, but I just, he, yeah. He takes his shirt off, and he's got that Beat Me written on there. And, of course, yeah, the shaved chest hair, what I was talking about. Yeah, nobody likes it. Uh, Aura I love up, that. He'll just rip the shit out of the song, and then, and then like, the next line is like, oh, crap. Oh, and that's what I meant, Ryan, earlier when you brought that up. I'm like, dude, he just burnt this shit down, man. And everybody, yeah. uh, whatever. If that happened on my street, dude, it would be over. I would just be like, I'm done with life. I can quit now. Yeah. But, you know, is, some, did you guys catch this? Somebody was playing a Game Boy? Yep. Yep. I got that. That's a I, damn that's lie. It's not backlit. You can't see that. Yeah. <laughs> This ain't a Game Boy Color. Come on. <laughs> this is also the part where where the uh, one guitarist for uh, the NPG was just like a, a palette swap ninja from uh, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> he had that that uh, like metallic vest on <laughs> and playing the guitar in the background. Almost everybody uh, is like a palette swap from either Mortal Kombat or Pit Fighter. That's not the movie uh, crossover that happens here. I'll get to it when that happens too. But keep, let's keep going. Yeah, so so the song doesn't work and Aura doesn't come back. So then Prince is is mad and he goes storming off. Um and he grabs the gun that his dad used in Purple Rain and he runs off to do the graffiti bridge. Uh, at the same time, 
Morris has come to collect from George Clinton and Melody Cool, aka Mavis Staples. Uh, Mavis is not having it. No, Mavis is not having it, and she sings Melody Cool. It's just pretty good. I'm not not yeah. mad at it. No, yeah, uh-uh. yeah. no. Which, Mavis Staples which is supposed to be the shit. Not good. My bad. Yeah, no, That's I was great. saying, yeah, Mavis Staples is a shit. She can carry a song, you know. Yeah, so she's doing that, which is like supposed to be like her resistance to them trying to extort her and shake her down. Meanwhile, George Clinton's on the other side just tucking tail. Like he's just going to sign it. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Yeah. That I was some punk shit. But at, as Prince is at the bridge... Fact, does he say a word in the entire movie? Nope. Nope. So they Bill Cosby <laughs> him like Meteor Man? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, Bill, <laughs> Bill Cosby barked. <laughs> yeah, he looks like the bark. <laughs> That's George Clinton's move, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah Tommy Dog, goddammit. But then, uh, you know, Aura shows up, up at the bridge and, and and gives Prince a sign, or not, not a sign, but it's like a a framed a framed piece of paper that has these lyrics called Graffiti Bridge and. And then she try uh, she she shows him where she's been living. Yeah, she says, "You want to see where I write? Like, so you're homeless? Okay, good." Yeah. Yep. And then and it's then like, she leaves. And then he's he's thinking about shooting himself, and he decides not to. He comes uh, running back to town just in time to see uh, to see Aura go running into the street. And then one of Morris's goons is in the, this uh, car for some reason. He takes off. He clips Aura. And Kills her? <laughs> yeah, can, I, can you kill an angel with a car? <laughs> Not can with you, the rear view mirror. An can you roof you an angel? Can you kill an angel? I don't know, man. That's a great question. I don't think you can kill an angel with, with the side view mirror the way she got hit. But then she well, falls over dead, and then the Ghostbusters show up in in their ah, <laughs> two. That was the Ecto one. That was Egon shows up and shoots her up because she's not a human; she's an ethereal being. So they so Ghostbusters didn't take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> so so then they have this big fight, or this big argue, this big stare down. It's not a fight; they, they stare at each other from across the street, and then. Um, what happens? Oh, Prince um, starts to sing the final song. Yeah, which is and does a Jesus Christ pose, which I think is Graffiti Bridge, or was it Still Would Stand All Time? Still, still would stand all time. Yeah, he, Graffiti Bridge is at the end. Yeah, okay, he yeah. he tells uh, the kid tells tells Melody and and George not to sign, and he's going to keep his club. And Morris is upset because Aura is dead, and he. Uh, is starting to have kind of a change of heart. So yeah. then, uh, so this is actually where, uh, after Aura dies, he goes back to, to the bridge and is thinking about killing himself, but then he doesn't do it. He goes to the club and then they sing, uh, that song. And, yeah, yeah and so it's his Jesus Christ pose, and like, it's the worst song in the whole movie. Like, it's got Yeah, it be. is. It really yeah. is. And these gospel singers appeared out of nowhere. And if you notice, and I'm guessing it's because of the Ghostbusters, um, because now Aura has appeared as a mural on the wall as a naked angel. Yeah. 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 So. And but it, it's supposedly the song, and that was the thing. Like 
Purple Rain had uh, what was the last song? It was I Would Die For You um, as like the final like, you know, climax but this suffers from not having <laughs> I Would Die For You as an amazing, you know, as a part of the plot this is like, this was supposed to bring everybody together and change Morris's mind and instead I was just kind of sitting there like is that it? That's how it's going to end? Like, yeah, he is, is he, he, he sings this song in, you know, Purple Rain uh, whatever motif or whatever, yeah, cadence, um, yeah, and then um, Robin says, "Okay, ju- just let him have the club." Morris is upset about Aura. Lets him have the club, and then but but do, do you see like after he does a song, he just kind of <laughs> he does the he Christ like, pose, yeah. He does a, he does the Christ pose, and then he looks at Morris. He kind of like shrugs his shoulders, like, huh? Like, yeah, I didn't write uh, anything after. I don't know what the like, script even said. He's just, he just, he just sitting there, kind of like, 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 like begging with his without talking, you know? Yep. Yeah. That's... And so Morse is like, whatever. And then they they hug, and then you know the movie's over, and then you hear one of the the time as they're walking out, you hear uh, one of them say. Man, I can't believe he won with a ballot. I'm like, you stupid motherfucker. He, <laughs> he did the same damn thing in Purple Rain. How do you think that ended? <laughs> of course oh, I was he... wrong. It was Purple Rain, not I Would Die For You. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, well that's the thing. Uh, he, he, uh, he quote-unquote, wins with Purple Rain, but then after after he wins, he, he does I Will Die For, for You as sort of the celebration of, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the best. But that was honestly the biggest thing this was missing was like the final performance. Like that's why you're watching the movie. Like do New Power Generation Part Two and like that's it. You know, like that and freeze frame again on the way out. That that is the one thing that I think like really brought this movie down was not having that. Everything else was almost exactly the same as Purple Rain. Sure, they had it. TC got to rap. Well, yeah, he did oh, get yeah. to rap. <laughs> yeah, over the credits. It, that, that's just the saddest <laughs> shit. Because <laughs> the, the credits start to roll Everybody goes outside The credits are rolling on the song And he's leaning up against this pole The credits are go- going About two, three minutes And then he starts rapping Yeah <laughs> now, I didn't And then Tevin everybody. Campbell dies Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Off screen, you don't know He gets mauled by a bear I didn't catch everything that he said in there But I did hear Something about holy something in Jesus Christ. See, Ryan, we don't have that drop, but on your show, would this have qualified as Rap Church? I think it would be Rap Church. I can send you the drop. Rap Church! <laughs> <laughs> the best drop. It is the best drop. 100%. Yeah, but but back to the whole thing about, you know, he won with a ballad. He didn't really win. He let him win. I mean, Robin told him, just let him have it. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark says, okay, fine. Yeah, be, because Robin is the daughter of Billy... So really, she should have had majority control anyway. So this whole movie is her fault. She should have done something a long time ago. Yeah, but yeah, she so could maybe, have, yes, you could have. Solved but I shouldn't whole... be mad that she got kicked around and she <laughs> for not stopping this movie from happening in long yeah, time. Yeah, she, she could have saved us all. We could have just watched Purple Rain. <laughs> God damn it, Robin! <laughs> you know, Prince changed her name, right? It was Robin something else, and Prince is like, "You shall heretofore be known as Robin Power." Well, did, didn't didn't he uh, do that with Apollonia too? Yeah, I think he did it with everybody. Jeez, everybody's name, yeah. We should we should make a Prince name generator online. 
<laughs> oh, I forgot. I, I'm watching the credits now. Yeah, he's rapping, and then it cuts to Prince in this like Elvis suit with a big. There's like a big eagle printed on the back of it. Yeah, and he's like mixing the song on his like very early Pro Tools on yeah. his Apple. T- yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't get that far. I That's stopped boring. after I heard TC rapping. I said, you know, all that time you want to, you know what, you're not even that good. Yeah. Don't cut no, that shag off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. That's, was 1990. He wasn't wrong, but. That's a graffiti bridge, folks. Um, before we cut it short, um, anyone would have some, uh, as we said before, hotlines? I got a couple hotlines. Um, well, I, we kind of said a lot of them, but the uh, anytime Morris was speaking was pretty much guaranteed to be a hotline. The uh, what's your main problem? <laughs> just incredible. Um, also, when he walks into that meeting, he's like, okay, fellas, make a sound. As in, like, speak. That's a great way to tell somebody to talk. <laughs> make a sound. Um, I love that. And... Uh, the last one was, uh, you better put some treble on that tone, Grace, or you're going to be pulling some Stacey Adams up your ass. Oh, that, that's Dude, the one I had he... written down. <laughs> so I'm good. Tell you, Robin gets, man, he... Yeah. God. Yeah, is she, anytime they're talking to Robin, is like the, it's just an example of like the fucking retrograde attitude towards women in Point. these movies. Pointed his ass at her and said, take a week off and kiss it all. <laughs> <laughs> And the yow, 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 those parts, <laughs> the whole time is like punctuating all of his sentences and hits. Shit is all, anytime, anytime the time is involved, it's great. Yeah, because, I mean, you can definitely tell that this was going to be more of a time vehicle, because Prince is really, honestly, barely in it. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of a tertiary character in his own, his own, uh, movie. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, that's Graffiti Bridge. Yeah, I don't uh, have any more lines to add to that. I just, ugh. Yeah, and and thank you again to, to Ryan coming and, and joining us on this uh, expedition. Thank you guys for making me do this. I, I, I don't know, I might have bitched a little bit, but truly I enjoyed this process. Like, I really, <laughs> really loved this movie because I had the lowest expectations and it did nothing but like shock me and impress me and make me laugh. Like I was totally into this whole thing. And I'm now like more of a, fa- I'm more versed in the graffiti bridge soundtrack than I am in most prints, which is a very weird way to be into prints. So I got to thank you for all of that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go, go get the <laughs> Batman soundtrack, man. Or something. <laughs> Batman 89 is a great soundtrack. Yeah. I think just weird prints from here on out. That's going to be my move. I'm just not, I'm not going to listen to dirty mind or any of the like classics. I'm going to be all weird. Rainbow <laughs> all right, children. I guess- I guess shit. you can start with chaos and disorder then. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or when I I went to uh, Germany in '96 and I I went to this like weird ass record store and I found this Prince album. It I, I think it just was the Black album or something like that, or oh, maybe okay. that was a European oh, you had title. The Black album? Yeah, I had Bobble, Bobble it for Bar. for a minute and I didn't like any other music and I got rid of it. That's oh, a, bad, big mistake. That's probably worth a lot like of money. Worth money. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't know, and I was in college, and you know, sometimes you got gonna sell your CDs at, at the uh, at the at the music store to get money for beer. Yeah, no shame in that game. I've so, done that hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> 
But anyway, uh, Ryan, why don't we? Uh, well, give real, quick, a pl- real quick, real yes. quick, though. Real quick, yes. though. I mean, as, I guess Ryan already said what his final impressions were. I mean, he he oh, yeah. loved the movie. Uh, I mean, I think. I really didn't like this movie. I mean, it definitely has its moments where I laugh, but I just thought it was just too bad. It, it was just too, it was just too bugged out for me, man. I pur- purple rain every time. I mean, you know, I I I will never watch this again. Yeah. Not willingly, no. Way. I mean, honestly, like you know what? If you really wanted to go weird with it and get and, and keep me interested, what I would have rather rather seen is Aura find Prince. You know, since he's trying to be like spiritual in his music and everything like that, and. She's trying to lead people to heaven. You know, they should have had her like ride around with Prince on that motorcycle and go from like club to club or town to town, like trying to bring people to heaven with music. And it could be like the highway to heaven of um of rock musicals. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of with that because I would actually continue to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. No, I I am done with this movie. <laughs> um, I'm not done with Prince, but I I'm never speaking or watching this. Anymore, I will say that I'm not. I, you know, on the second viewing, I wasn't bashing my head in the wall like I was the first time. Well, you know, what we gotta do next we got to do uh, Under the Cherry Moon. Um, that's the one where it's Prince and Jerome, like in Monaco, trying to like uh, bamboozle some rich heiress. Time out. Yeah, what's another movie? Yeah, it's another movie. It came out before Graffiti Bridge. It came out um, before Purple Rain, didn't it? No, it came out right after Purple Rain. Right after, okay. What? Yeah, and, yeah it's, it's where Kiss is from. Kiss is on is like the, the big song on that soundtrack. I didn't and know it was a movie. I, I only found out about it recently, too, and I um I looked at some clips online today, and the brilliant thing about that movie is probably, it's critically it's supposed to be terrible, but the brilliant thing about it is that Prince is basically doing a Morris Day impression throughout the entire movie. Because yeah. it's him and Jerome, so he's like acting like Morris Day. It, and it's it, just look up the um, the scene. It's Rekka Stowe, like W R E C K C K A S T O W. Just look up that on YouTube, and it's funny as shit. So yeah, that's our next move. We're watching that one next. Wow. Yeah, because I I used to work in a video store, and that was they they didn't have Purple Rain, they didn't have Graffiti Bridge, but they had Under the Cherry Moon, and that's another one where I, I've watched like the first fifteen minutes of, but just couldn't get into because it wasn't Purple Rain, and I yeah, never finished yeah. it. This is I'm only just now. <laughs> I've never heard of this. Oh, yeah, I mean, I've heard of Under the Cherry Moon. I didn't know it was a movie. Yeah, yeah. You you've seen the the drawing that that my brother has done of that. Uh, of the cover of that, haven't you? I know you've seen it. I'm pretty sure I have. But again, I didn't know there was yeah. a motion picture associated with this. <laughs> this is new to me. Yeah. Prepare to have mind blown. Oh, All right, God. I guess we're doing it then. All right. Well. All right. Well, with that said, it's time for plugs. It's just a plug. It's just a plug. Yeah, you jumped that too. Hey. All right, Ryan. Hit us. Uh, at Bodega Box Office on all the things. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram is the best way to find us. Um, we're on iTunes. We're on uh, you know all the all your podcatchers. Uh, we just put up an episode where we watched Posse, finally. Oh. Uh, Mario Van Peebles is, you know, fucking that, passion project. That was a good episode. Thanks. That was and, a rough... Uh, that's a weird movie, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. We always do really well when the movie's uh, insane, but like this was a very serious statement that Mario Van Peebles was making. Uh, he was making a statement first and a movie second, I think. Uh, but it's really interesting. I'm glad I finally saw it. It's got Big Daddy Kane. It's got Tone Loke in it. It's got Billy Zane being a crazy villain. So we just did that. Our next episode is going to be... Uh, we got a guest, this, uh, this brilliant Irish dude who runs a podcast called The Wonder of It All. We're going to talk about The Glass Shield, one of Ice Cube's first movies. Um, we've done a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. We did Belly, finally. Uh, you know, we've been all over the place, so definitely check out the podcast, uh, Odega Box Office. Yeah, um, if, if you don't know, they specialize in movies that star rap artists. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, please go check them out. Um, I love their show. Now, what was that Irish guy? The guy that was on the uh, Ghost Dog episode? Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. He, he was good. He's a smart motherfucker. He um, he has his master's degree, and I can't I can't quite get him to articulate exactly what it is, but it's something like uh, media studies. So his analysis of shit is just incredible. And uh, yeah, he picked. Uh, we did Ghost Dog with him. We did the Abel Ferrara film Our Christmas, which stars Ice T. It's a Christmas movie directed by Abel Ferrara, the guy who directed King of New York and uh, Bad Lieutenant and all those really fucked up movies. So you can imagine how that plays out. And then he oh, came wow. back on to do uh, Glass Shield, which is a Charles Burnett film uh, with uh, Ice Cube, uh, very early Ice Cube. Is that Laura very Petty too? Yeah, Lori Petty. Yeah, that's right. What happened to her? Tank girl herself. Crazy. Yeah, she Last time I saw her was uh, in the army. Now with Pauly Shore. Oh, I had the wild crush on her from that movie. Oh, we need to do Tank Girl. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you guys haven't done it on your show yet. I know. Yeah, we haven't gotten deep into the Ice T catalog yet. There's so much though. Uh, I've heard the interview on Drink Jams where he was talking about how he got, how he got that role. <laughs> On Tank Girl? He talks yeah. about that? Oh, I gotta yeah. check that out. That's sick. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, we digress. But, uh, uh, yeah, and then, of course, check us out at nojibbajabbafm.com and on all the things. Uh, Death Cakes Pod on Twitter. Um, Instagram, we're at nojibbajabbafm. Uh, we're on Facebook, but we don't really use it anymore. <laughs> yeah it's there but you know we're more active on the twitter and instagram these days yeah um i am at jru78 on twitter illy is at illrocksky yes. and uh i guess that's it folks fabulous yeah, 50 jay mills by the way i uh you know i know we dogged you a few times right here man it's because i love that man i love that man more than anything <laughs> the colonel i salute him yeah, salute the colonel and everybody. Hey, you know what? This Prince tribute, everyone. Why don't everybody get up from where you are right now? No matter where you are, where you're listening to this, let's get up and do a 360 degree turn. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave the room like Prince would leave a room. Yes, I might do that on the way upstairs. Dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. Till next time, folks. See ya. See ya. Shut, shut, your, shut your mouth. I'm sorry? What did You're you just say? You're just coming say? off stupid.